morning. <laughs> Hello. So this is the closest I'm going to get to dressing up as either like a clown or a pumpkin or a cow as, as Kim does. So this is it. So thank you, Mary. And, and I could do more, actually. I, could, <laughs> yeah, she I have so much I could wear, but I just... Just did the bare minimum. So. so we wanted to tell you about the women's ministry is having our uh, Christmas brunch coming up December 2nd, 10 a.m. Uh, should be a great time to just celebrate the season together. And it's a great time to bring a friend, a family member, a neighbor. So think about who you could bring as well as coming. And um, it's 11 a.m., but that's okay. We'll be oh, here it's at 11. 10. Okay. It's 11. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so it is um, going to be $10. We're going to make two handmade gifts. And so this would be one of them. It's going to be a cookie mix in a jar. Um, and so we're going to put all the ingredients in, and that's a gift that you can give to somebody, and a candle as well. So those are what we're going to be making. And we are asking for six or seven women or groups of women. It could be like two best friends or two enemies. I don't know. Just kidding. Um, it could be a mother-daughter. It could be sisters. Um, so I'm, we're looking for six or seven women or groups of women who would like to decorate a table like this one right here. So the tables are going to be large round tables, and you don't need to provide the tablecloth or the plates and napkins and silverware but to decorate the middle of it really cute like that so if you want to do that please see me you can if you have my number you can message me or you can text I mean um, email Kathy or you can put that next to your name on the sign up outside oh, yeah. there's a couple ways to sign up go ahead oh, oh, <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um, so you can sign up on the welcome card outside and you can also sign up on our website and now on our website you're able to pay as well so that's pretty cool um, if you do sign up outside and want to pay you can give the money to Kathy or to me so great thanks see you then all right thank you all right thank you ladies uh, many of you are aware that uh, a few weeks ago we had a men's event called M6 here at the church on a Thursday night and as part of that, uh, Bill and Tim Donahue shared their testimony of uh, an incident that happened. How long ago was that, Bill? Seven years ago. If, you didn't, if you're not aware, refresh your memory, they were going to a Bible study over at Soul Park Golf Course early in the morning. And uh, through a very variety of circumstances, they were both hit by a vehicle and sustained incredible uh, life-threatening, just catastrophic injuries. And so they shared their story, their testimony that Thursday night, and many of you had never heard it, and uh, the ladies in particular wanted to hear it. So uh, the video is on our YouTube channel. And so if you're interested in hearing that testimony, uh, just an incredible testimony of what God did in their lives and in their relationship, and in, most importantly, in their relationship with him. So we wanted to make you aware of that, that if you want to watch that, you can on our YouTube channel. Uh, men, also, there's another men's retreat coming up. It's called Solely Business, where they deal with the business of the soul in March. And uh, the registration happens pretty quick, and this particular one is next Sunday. It opens up at 2 p.m., uh, there's information there. If you have questions about the men's retreat, we showed some great pictures last week. Um, just incredible. Incredible what God does on the mountaintop uh, in 48 hours. So uh, you can talk to Bill this week if you have any questions about it, men. We'd love to get as many of you guys up there in March, okay? Uh, 
as we wind up the uh, holiday season, there is so much to be thankful for. Last Sunday, we had a baptism, and Aiden was baptized out in the patio over there, and Barry, it was his first time baptizing, so Barry got to baptize someone for the very first time, and uh, so it was just a great celebration. And uh, one of the things I want to share with you uh, that we shared with those that came out, Aiden you know, sometimes we'll say, you never know. People walk by after Sunday services. They see us outside eating donuts and coffee. Oh, that was Aiden. And Aiden, yes. Yes, you know, you'll hear me say that, and you're like, does that really happen? Well, actually, with Aiden, he had, for a few weeks, gone back and forth, seeing you chomping on donuts and drinking coffee and loving on one another, and that prompted him to come through the doors one day and hang out with us, and a few weeks later, he's getting baptized. So uh, kudos to you, kudos. Uh, they're watching. And, you know, Jesus, what did Jesus say? How you love one another. They're going to know that you're his disciples just by loving one another. So uh, thank you, Barry, for doing that. And, again, just a testimony to Barry as well. You know, again, sometimes you think when it comes to baptisms, it's got to be someone official with some title. No, uh, you can baptize one another. And so Barry had that wonderful opportunity to baptize a brother in Christ last Sunday. And, and we celebrate uh, that Barry was willing to do that. So thank you, Barry, for that. Uh, we also want to celebrate the youth ministry. This past uh, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, they had what they call their Thanksgiving fancy dinner. They cleared out this entire sanctuary. They almost 20 kids here, uh, teenagers, just loving one another. Jordan and his crew doing a phenomenal job. And, uh, yeah, they had some competitions, make a turkey competition. They also, um, we want to celebrate the uh, food drive. Many of you graciously, just abundantly gave. They, they're kind of hidden. But that, that table is filled with food. Uh, and Jordan and I brought it over to the help of Ojai uh, this past week. So thank you very much to those of you who contributed to the uh, food drive for the youth ministry. And we also had another one, the Thanksgiving boxes. You contributed uh, to that as well. And so they put those together and they delivered, how many, Mark, did you deliver? 30. So 30 bags of food went out into the community uh, thanks to your generosity. So, uh, so much to be thankful for. Blessed to have a church family with such a cheerful, giving heart. And, and so um, we're just going to continue being us, loving God, loving one another, loving this community, okay? Why don't we stand together? And we'll continue in our time of worship. Well, good morning. All right, how many of you are ready for Thanksgiving? All right, all right. Quick survey. How many of you don't really care for turkey? Okay, okay. How many deep-fried turkeys in the house? Anyone deep-fry? No, not, not too many. All right. How many of you would admit to in, indulging just a wee bit too much? All right, all right, all right. Well, we do have a lot to be thankful for. Can you toss, toss me that football there? We are celebrating so much as a church family, and uh, we're going to continue uh, looking at what we call the fundamentals, the fundamentals of the faith. And, and last Sunday, I shared with you a story from 1961 had to do with this football, and actually has to be Green Bay Packers. Thank you, Scott Rowland, if you're watching. And... Um, Vince Lombardi, shared with you last Sunday, Vince Lombardi started training camp in 1961 with the Green Bay Packers. They had just lost 
in the NFL championship game to the Eagles. So they come to training camp, and the very first day uh, that all the guys gather, remember, these guys have been playing at a very high level their whole lives. These are pros, right? Vince Lombardi grabs a football, and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. And that's how he starts training camp. This is a football. Speaking to guys who just coming off the NFL championship game, and interestingly enough, they went on to win the NFL championship game that season. But he starts training camp with all these highly paid, seasoned, experienced professionals. And he says, this is a football. Why would he do that? Right? Well, what he was trying to do was strip away all the hoopla and, and all the expectations and all the disappointments, and he's trying to get them focused on a new season, new team, however guys come and go, new expectations, regroup at the most fundamental level of the game of football. This is a football, right? It wasn't meant to be a slight an affront, an insult to any of them and their knowledge and their skill level. It wasn't meant to be in a personal attack. What it was meant to do was simply to, again, strip away all the trappings of being in the NFL and say, you know what, this is a football, and we got to start there if we're going to start building into a successful winning season, the most basic of basics. And I share that with you because last week, again, uh, you know, we started looking at the Word of God, and we, we're starting at the fundamentals. And so when I hold up my digital Bible, in this case, and I say, this is a Bible, or Bill, let me, let me use yours because, you know, you're old school and I'm still old school, so, right? So when I hold this up and I say, this is a Bible, in the same way, it's not meant to be an insult, an affront, an accusation, an assumption that you don't know this, you don't love this, you're not into this, you don't read it, you don't relish it, you don't delight in it. It's in no way uh, uh, meant to be any sort of negative connotation about where you are in your relationship with God and even with the Word. What we do is we say, you know what, this is a Bible. And for many here... You know, if you're like me, I grew up in Roman Catholic Church. I knew about a Bible, never opened a Bible, let alone wrote or highlighted a Bible, right? Ooh, yeah, that's big. Ooh, don't do that, right? I think we, we had a family Bible somewhere, right? Right? And then I became a believer, and I get my first Bible. My wife gives me, we're, I think we were dating still, and we went to an Easter sunrise service at SeaWorld. Our church used to rent out one of the amphitheaters at SeaWorld in San Diego and do a sunrise service. So she gives me my own Bible, and it has my name on it, right? And get a little pencil, and I start writing in it, because it's okay to write in it, and you get a highlighter, it's okay to highlight it, right? And, and you I begin this journey of faith, and understanding what the Word of God is. But really, I had no clue. And, and, and I'm guessing that some today, thank you, Bill, some today are like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a Bible. I get it. I've heard about it. And others of you, your Bibles are marked up. And how many of you know your Bible so well and, and you know, not a sense? How many of you can actually kind of turn to right where you want to go to now in your Bible? Like, seriously, right? You're marked and it's like weathered and all that, right? 
So we have this whole spectrum here. And so when we say this is a Bible and we're going to look at why we even teach the Bible, we asked that question last Sunday. Why, do we, why, do, why are we at church? And they come to this church called the Well, and every Sunday they, they teach from the Bible, they preach from the Bible. Why is that, right? Again, if you're solid with the Bible and you love the Bible and you're in the Bible and you're reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, keep doing that. Celebrate you. Keep doing that. In fact, something you heard today, God might call you to use it with someone else's life. Okay? Because, again, if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, much of what you're going to hear, what you heard last week, what you're going to hear today and even next week, it's not going to be like brand new, except for the fact that God might actually use you this week to encourage someone in the word, something you hear today. Because sometimes we go to church, and it's like, oh, it's review, it's fundamentals, you need to check out. Nah, I encourage you not to check out. Because God might actually use you to encourage somebody today. The other reason I encourage you not to check out, because we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And there are seasons in my life where I'm in the word, I love the word, I can't get in the word, and then there are seasons when it's drier than dry. Can I get an amen? Right? It's like, ah. Right? And other times, it's like, I got to get up, and it's life, and there's life, and God's speaking to me. It's like, oh, my gosh, how did he know? You know, and there's other times, it's like, oh. Okay, just because it's a discipline, right? And so there's, there's three factors, enemies that are coming at us all the time. So you might be in a really good season with the word right today. Tomorrow might be a whole different story in one day because of circumstances and life and stuff. So I want to stay here, stay here. And if you're new and this is really kind of like, wow, okay, I'm going to learn about this thing called the Bible. And yeah, I always wondered why when I go to church, they always say, you know, open your Bibles or, you know, why, why do they do that, right? Who says? Is there, like a, is there like a law? Like, do they have to? Does it count if they don't? You know, all this kind of stuff, right? Why do they teach the Bible? Like, that's a fundamental question. And so around here, we saw that last week, 1 Timothy 3 says this. I hope to come to you soon. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. But I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So we looked at this in depth last week. And and the key, just as we kind of move forward, is that we preach, we teach, we lift up the Bible. It's in our statement of faith here at the well. Because it says here that it is a pillar and buttress of the truth. We are the church of the living God. This is not a dead deity. This is not myth. We're not here because it's some dead deity, some myth, some legend. We believe that this is the church of the living God. Amen? Like, he's alive. There's life here. Right? Through the Holy Spirit. And it is not about us. Now, that verse, uh, Chris, can you put up that verse one more time, please? It says at the very end that it's the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. I shared it with you, and I'll just say it again because it's very important doctrinally and theologically. Some groups, even some religious groups, have taken that and inaccurately used it. What they have said is that it is the church of the living God, and what they say basically is the pillar and buttress of the truth, which means the church is an entity and organization claims to be the source of truth, even above scripture. That's inaccurate. That leads to false religions and cults. If we say, you know what? Hey, at the well, we are the pillar and we are the buttress of truth. We are the foundation of truth. Eh. 
That's not what that verse says. Okay, put it up again, Chris. It says that we are the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So we showed you a couple pictures of pillars and buttresses, right? What do pillars do? The temples, they support. Those right there are called flying buttresses. The little things coming off at 45 degree angles. That's the Notre Dame. What are the buttresses doing? They are supporting the cathedral. They are not the cathedral. Okay? So when you come here, fundamentally, 1 Timothy 3, 14, and 15 calls us to be a pillar, support, and buttress of the truth of the Word of God. That's what we do here. We lift up, we support the Word of God, the truth. Amen? That's why we do it. Okay? Fundamentally, we are, the church is the pillar and buttress of truth. We are not the source of truth. God's Word is the source of truth. Okay? We also saw last week that Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here's, this is what's crazy. We are the church of the living God. We are to lift up the word of God, and Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is what? Living! It's living! Right away, that that's like could be a game changer. Because a lot of us, can I use yours again? A lot of us look at this as an academic book. It's just like your philosophy, psychology, history, world history, history of religions. That's all academic. According to Hebrews 4.12, there's something very, very unique about this. It's alive. This is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. How many of you have ever been at church, and whether it's me or someone else up here at another church, they preach something, they say a scripture, and they teach on a scripture, and it is something very private to you that no one knew about, and you're like, how did he know? Anyone? How did he know? It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That is the Holy Spirit piercing Right there. In fact, Tyler jokes because sometimes uh, you guys will talk with Tyler afterwards and they're like, you'll ask Tyler, did you tell him what's going on in my life? And Tyler's like, what are you talking about? Well, he said, duh, 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 duh. how did he know? Did you tell him? Tyler's like, no, that's God. Do his word, right? Because it's living and active. It's living and active. We're not up here doing a seminar. This is not a seminar. This is not a lecture series. It is far from that. We believe this is the church of the living God preaching the living word through the living Holy Spirit. That's why there's life here. That's why there's life here. That's why I said last Sunday, I am blown away every Sunday that even one of you show up. Like, what, drew, what draws you? I mean, there's a lot of reasons worldly, like you like it, the music. I mean, there could be a lot of reasons, but fundamentally... I believe it's the Spirit of God. That's what I pray. All through the week and Sunday morning when I'm driving here and it's still dark and I get here, I'm like, Lord, bring the people here that you want here. Bring the people online that you want to... It's spiritual. This is a spiritual, supernatural entity called the church. It's not an organization, just an organization. right? This is the body of Christ. So the Word of God is living, and ultimately we saw last Sunday, it points us to a living Savior who wants a living relationship with you. So it's all, it's all about life. There's a living God 
living word wants you to know the living Savior and have a living relationship so that you can live eternally. It's all about life and living. Amen? That's what this should be about. That's what this should be about. Our church, not just, I mean, on a Sunday morning, but our church family should be about life. Because I'm going to bet that somehow, morning, Aiden, we were talking about you earlier, um, somehow, as Aiden was walking back and forth and saw, I'm hoping he saw life, not just a bunch of nice people. And somehow, supernaturally, something drew him in. That's life. That's life. That's God doing what only you can do. And so we're going to continue looking at the, the primacy, the, the foundation of why we preach the word, why it's so um, important to us as a pillar, as a buttress um, of truth. Okay? In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I'm going to forewarn you. We're going to kind of say what we were on here. We're going to stay at 10,000 feet, because this whole thing, we could be on the Word of God and bibliology for like two years. So we're going to stay at 10,000 feet today, and we're going to paint with about as broad a brush as you can paint. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out, by God. Some people, some versions say it's given by inspiration. So again, Bill, if you hold up your Bible, just where you're, just hold it up real quick. Not only is that not dead, but alive, that is authored, inspired, breathed out by God. Separates it from any other work on this planet. That's breathed out by God. In fact, uh, over 400 times, I think it's a New King James Version. Over 400 times, it says, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a saying called vox scriptura, vox dei, which means the voice of scripture is the voice of God. The voice of scripture is the voice of God. That's pretty weighty. Now, that's weighty for yours truly and whoever else stands behind here and says that we're, this is what the Word of God says. That's weighty. That's, a, that's weightier than weighty. That's, that's I tremble every time. I'm like, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. That's weighty. The voice of Scripture is the voice of God. So that, that book that we call the Bible is living and active and it's the voice of God. It's the voice of God. Now, I was, I was debating doing this one illustration because I used to do youth ministry for years and years and I would teach many of the basic things. But I would have a, a, another book up here and I would make it look like a Bible. But it was really a dictionary, paperback. And I would hold it up and we're talking about what is the Bible, it's the word of God. And then I would say, so how many of you would have a problem if I did this and I would tear a page out? And then I would crumple it up, and I would throw it. See, I thought about doing that here. <laughs> and then wisdom says, probably not. Probably not. But even for those high schoolers, when I would tear this out, and they completely bought into the fact, because if I hold it open, a, Bible, a dictionary looks like Bible verses, right? 
And I would go, and I would like really play it up. I'd do it really slow. And then I'd look at them and I'd just crumple and stare at them. And then I'd toss it. Like stunned, stunned, right? And then I would do it again, really slow. And I'd crumple it up. Like suddenly they'd get some courage. You can't do that. That's wrong. And I'm like, why? It's just a book. No. Right? And, and, and they're emotionally, now they're engaged. And like, yeah, that's the Bible. Right? And, and it would just lead into this incredible discussion. Because I think innately we sense there's something different about this. And to disrespect it, to tear it out and crumple it up and to, Right, so uh, pretty good call not to do it this morning, huh, Bill? Right? I think, yeah, we would have got, Tyler's phone would have blown up with texts like, I can't believe he's tearing up a Bible, I'm out of here. <laughs> Power off, you know. There's something unique about this. It's living, it's active, it's the voice of God, even today, November 19th, 2023, as you sit here, Right? Now, with it being the voice of God, it also carries the authority of God. Okay? David Dockery says this, A view that affirms the Bible's divine inspiration and total truthfulness is of little value if we do not also have a commitment to the Bible's complete and absolute authority in our lives. And any discussion of biblical authority must begin with God himself, for all authority is located in God. Richard Mayhew, a professor of theology, kind of puts it this way, a little logical sequence. Scripture is the word of God. The words of God are authoritative. Conclusion, Scripture is authoritative. Right? GotQuestions.org says this. When we say the Bible is our only rule for faith and practice, we mean that we hold the Bible, God's holy word, to be our ultimate guide for what we believe, faith, And what we do, practice. We mean that the Bible trumps man's authority, church tradition, and our own opinions. We mean we will allow nothing that opposes God's word to dictate our actions or control our thinking. We mean that we agree with the reformer's cry of sola scriptura. There's an authority issue. Okay, so foundationally, fundamentally, we are the pillar and buttress of God's truth, living and active, the voice of God. But when we lift up God's truth around here, you have to understand we're also lifting up his authority. And that's an application point for many of us sitting here or at home or listening to this. Authority. 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 In, in, in fact, I'm going to guess if you're like me and how I know me and how I was raised in my own attitude towards authority, right? Authority doesn't give us like warm, fuzzy vibes. Anyone? When, when I say authority, do you just like perk up? Do you just like feel really good and like authority? I'd really like some authority in my life. No, in fact, you know, I, came, I found this little picture. Most of us, when I, when I say authority, that's what you think of. That's literally what you think of when I say authority, right? 
And so it's, it's interesting because we can talk about the Bible, 66 books written by all these authors, three continents, three languages, all unified. And then we're like, amen, amen, it's living, amen, right? Yeah, it's active, amen, right? Right, God is, it's God's voice, amen. And, and it's God's authority. <sighs> authority. God's authority. That's fundamental. That's a fundamental truth. God's word is God's voice, which means it's his authority. Now, you know, in my own journey growing up, you know, I, I didn't deal with authority very well. I, you know, out of the, I had, there's four of us, I had three siblings, and I was probably the most rebellious out of all of them. Right? Can't tell me what to do. Um, can't tell me what to do. Um, you know? Anyone here, like, if someone tells you, here's the line, how many of you, if you know the line, and I know you, how many of you have to get right next to the line? Thank you, Skippy. I appreciate that. How many of you touch the line and come right back? Mostly because, right, it, when someone says authority, hmm, Something just goes, mm, authority, right? And, and I get that because, let's be honest, in our lives, some of us haven't had really good experiences with authority. We've been hurt. We've been lied to. We've been betrayed. We've been manipulated. We might have been abused by those in authority. And so I get that. See, there's this whole realm of my sin nature, my rebellious nature that rails against authority just innately because I like to be the boss and I like to be in control and you can't tell me what to do. That's how we're raised in our culture. You're the boss. Then there's this whole other side of, of the pain of authority. And with that comes the fear of authority, the hesitation because I surrendered and I submitted and I got worked. Right? And I get that. That's why we have to come back to the fundamentals here, and you can never stray too far away. Because we've got to kind of be willing to look at that honestly. Lord, when it comes to your authority, I, I love your word, I get your word, but when it comes to this, now it's the authority in my life, you've got to be willing to say, why am I struggling with that? Is it my own sinful rebellion? Or is there some stuff in my past that just, man rears up because now I've been hurt and wounded so much that now I have built walls of self-protection around me. Walls of self-protection. It's not even that I disagree with what Scripture says. But I have been wounded. I have been hurt. I am so angry. I am enraged. My mind has been so confused and turned upside down, left, right, that this idea of surrender and submit, which requires what? Trust, vulnerability, risk, all over again, even from God, who the Bible says cannot lie and does not change, right? God is love. We, we hear all these incredible truths about God, and then when rubber meets the road and we're challenged to submit and obey his authority, I get it. I get it, because all the stuff is still there. It just is. 
I know that for a fact in my own life. It just is. And sometimes you come to a crossroads in life and everything in you tells you as a believer, God's way, God's way, God's truth, God's, right? And then everything in you as a human says, no way, no way, no way. Because the depth of pain, the depth of hurt, the depth of betrayal, you've said never again. And you just walled that off. And it's much safer to be your own boss in your self-protection than to even step out in faith and follow God. I get that. I get that. Right? That's why God puts us into the church to encourage one another. Not to browbeat, not to point fingers, not to say what's wrong with you, but to put your arm around each other and say, I've been there. I've been there. Let's just take one, let's just take the next step. And then we sit at the next step for as long as we have to. I shared a story. Um, when I was growing up, middle school, San Diego, we used to go to the beach all the time, and I would just go way past the waves, boogie boarding. And one time I got caught in a rip, and I was pulled way out, and I literally thought I was going to die. And lifeguards came out and got me. I thought it was just one-off, a one-off, right? Hey, thanks for saving me, yada, yada. I did not know what that did to me. And so we come up here 20 years ago, and one of my good friends that I met he, uh, he, spear, he goes spearfishing, right? And so I get into spearfishing around here. And, you know, I get all the gear, and he wants to take me out on his boat, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And we used to go, we would gear up, and we would go to Bates right off the point there because there's some structures on there there, and you can catch fish, shoot fish. And we would go out, and this thing reemerged. And I got my gear on. I got my wetsuit. In my head, I know I'm, I'm safe. You, you're not going to drown because you you're pretty buoyant when you have this stuff on. I would go out, and I would get overwhelmed with what happened when I got pulled up. And I would have to come back in. And he's out there. He's, like, professional. He's really good. And we would go out a few times, and I would come back in because I was just so overwhelmed. And I would, like, you know, try to play it off, make up an excuse. I was just like, dude, I just, you know, I'm not feeling well, yada, yada. And we would do this a few times. And then one day we went out to Bates. And, again, gear up. I said, this, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay out there. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to stay out there. We go out there, and I get triggered again. And I have to come in. And he comes in, and, and he says, what's going on, man? And I decide to tell him what's going on. I said, dude, this is what happened. All these times I go out, I do my best, and I just take a few deep breaths, and I try to hang out there with you. I know it's fine, but in my head, I just get over emotions. I, just tell, I decide to come clean with him. And he says, okay. And we were like in, in right at, at the corner, right at the edge of Bates, and we're in this knee-deep of water. He says, Okay. We're just going to stand here for as long as it takes. And we stood there. And we stood there. 
And we stood there. And he just stood there. I said, okay, I think I can go a little bit more. He said, okay, let's go. Took a few steps out, and he's like, okay, just, we're just going to stay here. Just stay here. And we stayed there. And we stayed there. And we stayed there. And finally, I calmed down. I said, okay, I think I can do this. I, I, I think, I, think I'm, I got this. My head's back right. So, yeah, so we gear up. We put on our gear, snorkels, get all our stuff on. Okay. He says, okay, just stay with me. I'm like, okay. So we go out. certain point, you know, the water, you, you just got to go. The water's deep. In, in, and so we just went. And that process changed everything. And I just stayed with him. I wasn't focusing on all the fears and emotions in the past. I was focused on staying with him. My focus had shifted, right? And that was a game changer for me. Because when I came clean, he didn't say, oh, come on, man, you're an idiot. Man up. Quit being a punk, right? He didn't say that. He literally said, okay, we're going to stand here for as long as it takes. And that has impacted me when it comes to working with those who are just following Jesus. Because you have your stuff. I have my stuff. You have your, your stuff. And God, in his sanctification, as he grows us, as he transforms us through his word, will bring us to points where you will know that it's time to take a step. You will know. And your heart will be beating. And everything in you will say, run the other way. And I can't. And at that point, my prayer is that somebody here, whether it's me or somebody else, will come alongside you, put their arm around you and say, brother or sister, as long as it takes. And when you're ready to take the next step, let's just take a step. I'm going to pray for you. I'm here for you. Let's just do this together. Right? And so I share this story with you, and I share this because... Fundamentally, we lift up. We are the pillar and buttress of truth. The word of God is living. It is the voice of God. It is the authority of God. But if we're going to live this out and be transformed by it, we need each other. We're going to need each other. Because we are transformed through obedience. We're actually transformed by obedience, right? Acts 20 says this. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every... It's profitable. It's able to build us up. It's profitable, right? John 17. Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. He's speaking about us, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In the New Living Translation, you can show that, Chris. The last verse says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. Your word is truth. We are transformed by God's truth. 
That's the transformation. That's where it comes from. It's not from good intentions and morality and a bunch of external actions. We are transformed. We are made holy. Now, that word holy, again, coming from the Roman Catholic tradition, right? Holy was everything on the altar. The truth is, when you become a believer, the word holy is the same word as saint. They come from the same root. So when you become a believer, the Bible actually says you are now a saint. So turn to the person next to you and say, I told you I was a saint. I told you. Right? Saint Yarrow. Saint Mark. Right? Saint Dave. Right? Saint Barry. Ernie. Okay, Saint Ernie. Saint Ernie. Right? It's weird, right? There's this positional weirdness because the Bible says you are saint which means, in one sense, you are holy. Okay, this is what it means. Holy means to be set apart for a purpose. How many of you have special dishes at home that you only use when company comes over? Thanksgiving, holidays. Okay. That is your holy dishes. That's what that is. Those dishes are set apart for a purpose. Okay? When you become a believer, a saint, to be holy is that you live your life set apart for God. Amen? That's all that we're doing is we're becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more saintly, right? And it just means we are more and more set apart for God's purpose. That's all it is to be holy, set apart for God's special purpose on this planet, okay? How does that happen? We'll go to Romans 12, Chris. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or renewing your mind. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transformation, becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more holy, if you will, begins with the renewing of your mind. The word of God, right? That word transform is where we get metamorphosis. And that I've shared with you before, the picture is the butterfly, right? If you're a believer, you are in metamorphosis. In whatever stage you are, sanctification is a process of metamorphosis. You are becoming something brand new, never existed before, amen? Right? You're not just becoming the better version of a caterpillar. You're now a child of God. And God is transforming you more and more into the image of Jesus, primarily through the word of God, right? Charles Spurgeon says this, the more truth you believe, the more sanctified or set apart you will be. The operation of truth upon the mind is to separate a man from the world unto the service of God. You want to be more like Jesus? Get more into the word. That's the primary means. The primary means of sanctification, of transformation, is the word of God, through the spirit of God, as you appropriate and apply the word of God. Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The root of it is God's word, right? I love D.L. Moody. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. <laughs> so if you're in a place right now where your love and joy is kind of waning for the book, 
You might want to ask the Lord to show you if there's something that needs to be confessed that's keeping you from the book. Right? And so I kind of want to share with you, how do we make this real? Okay? So we got the living God, living word, voice of God, authority of God. I know we got to work through that, right? Key to transformation is appropriating the word of God, but how do we do that? Okay? Key verse, key passage here. As we kind of wrap up, James 1.22 says this. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. James 1.22. If you and I want to be more and more holy, more and more set apart, more and more transformed, according to James 1.22, we have to hear and do. In fact, it says, not only deceiving yourselves, it's a pretty powerful word. Deceiving means deluded. So what that verse is is saying, if you come to church or listen to a podcast or read a book, anything about what has scripture, word of God, and you think that only hearing it is good enough, the Bible itself says you're deluded. The Bible was not given for information, but for transformation. You understand that? This is not an academic exercise. The Bible was given for transformation. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you come to church and you take copious notes, but you don't do anything with it and you call it good, went to church, heard a sermon, went to church, heard a sermon, heard a good podcast, read a good book, and you don't do anything with the word of God, James 1.22 says you're deceived and you're deluded. It's not doing you any good. In fact, after doing this 30 years here, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to warn you, If all you're doing is listening and you're not doing anything with it, you're in dangerous ground because you are developing the habit of ignoring God's word. That's a habit. It's a very dangerous habit because your heart gets now hardened. You've convinced yourself that just listening is enough and I don't have to do anything with it. Right? You ever been to, you ever hear a sermon and in your mind you're like, so and so really needs to hear this? Anyone? And you shoot them the link. You're like, this would be really good. This would be really good for you. You should really listen to this and do something with this. Wink, wink, here's the link, right? What about you? Every Sunday, my heart is that God would tell you one thing to do with what you hear. One thing to do. Because I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be deluded at this church. You're like, oh, you guys are so like, you know, it's funny. I, in, in, the 13 years that we've been in church, I have been called everything from light on sin to legalistic. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, with equal conviction, too. I'm like, all we're trying to do here is preach the word of God, the truth. And the word of God says, don't just hear it, but do it. And if you're only hearing it, the word of God says... You're deceived. And it's dangerous because now you're just asserting your authority over the authority of God. You're just kind of like, eh, right? You got to hear and do. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was no separation. Deuteronomy 6 says, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, right? The Shema. Hear, O Israel. In the Old Testament, there was no separation between hearing and doing. Parents, how many times have you ever said to your child, did you hear what I said? Anyone? Like, okay, hey, little Johnny, clean your room. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah. After this game, mom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Two hours later, Johnny, didn't you hear what I said? I heard you. Now, as a parent, hearing and doing are intertwined. Amen? Can I get a big amen? amen. Right? Okay, you just lived Old Testament Shema. If you've ever been irked that someone said, I heard you, but they didn't do what you asked them to do, you're just experiencing that's, what God's, that's God's word. We got to hear and do. In fact, they say you haven't heard unless you've done. That's biblical. Okay, hearing and doing. But it's a good thing. Here's the thing. Authority gets such a bad rap. But we've seen it's profitable. It's able to build you up, right? It makes you more like Jesus. How many of those, those are good things? Like, they're all good, right? Now, we've got to get over this authority thing because I know there's woundedness and there's rebellion in that. I get that. But my heart for you today is to really embrace the fact that God's word is good and that God wants the best for you. Even when he zings you with something, you got to forgive. Oh! How many of you have ever been zinged with forgiveness or bitterness? You're like, oh, okay, all right? And, and I just, my heart for you is that you understand God's word is good because God is good. And this illustration, right, about the mirror, you've been with me for 13 years, you know, I bring this out probably, what, every three or four years because it, it helps me even to understand and remember that God is good. Okay, so looking at you guys, how handsome, how put together you all are, I'm going to guess that probably 99, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to limb, 100% of you looked in a mirror this morning. Hmm? And I'm going to guess that you heard and did something based on what the mirror said. Right? You, you heard. You heard. Right? Marvin, when you woke up this morning, bro, what did the mirror say to you when you looked at it? Change your shoes. Change your shoes? <laughs> How many of you have never had your mirror say change your shoes in the morning? How, wait, that meant you slept with your shoes on, bro? What does that mean? I'm trying to figure out how that just worked. I get out of bed, I look at my mirror, change your shoes. Okay, Marvin, what else did the mirror say to you after you changed your shoes? Maybe about something up here. Uh, look good. <laughs> All right, we're going to the magnification. We're doing 10x magnification. Now what does it say, bro? I look good. You got a broken mirror, man. Okay, for the rest of us not God-gifted and blessed, 
with wearing shoes and being handsome in the morning. How many of us this morning, the mirror said something about washing your face? How many of your mirrors said something about your hair? Right? Right. Not you, of course, because you woke up like this. How many of you, and you maybe you not have thought of this, how many of you are thankful for mirrors? Even when they show your imperfections. How many of you are thankful that the object, really the, the purpose of the mirror is to show an imperfection that needs to be corrected? How many of you actually are, are thankful for that? Right? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And some of you, you know, you hit up every car on the way here for the reflection. I watch. You get out of your car, do your little thing with the, with the, the mirror that comes down, rear view mirror. You get out and two cars later. And then you come in and you go right to the bathroom. And you got to check again. As if something happened in the last two minutes. Right? Or you're at the mall. The mall's a good one with all the reflective glass in the mall. Pretend you're window shopping. You're like... The point is... We're, the mirror serves a good purpose. Amen? And how many of us gladly listen to it? Like gladly. We are innately, deeply thankful that we have this to show us physical imperfections before we walk out the door, right? That's all the Bible is. And I just want you to embrace the Bible in the same good way. It's just going to show you imperfections right here. That's actually, thank you. See, this says wash your face, except you. (laughs) Brush your hair, right? We gladly do that. All this is saying is, hey, spiritually, here's some things you need to work on before you go out in the public because you're supposed to be salt and light and you're supposed to honor and glorify me. Here's some things I want you to work on. We don't see this as condemning. We welcome the corrections. That's this. That's this. God is not the great cosmic killjoy, that word authority. He's not here to ruin your life or my life. He's here to show you what needs to be done so you look more like Jesus. And I just want us as a church to embrace it with the same, same positive that we do this. It's all good. This is all good. And like I said, you know, we joke, some of us, man, you really want to look good because you 10x yourself. You 10x yourself. Now, I grew up with kids and a wife, and they, the, in our bathroom, they have one of these, like, on the wall, right? And if you have one of these wall-mounted. And I kid you not, they 10x it, and then they get, like, two inches away. Like, what are you looking at? No one sees that. <laughs> She's just staring at me. She's all mad. It's good, honey. You don't need 10X. You're good. Some of us are so like, right? Well, 10X. And we'll get like right there because that one little thing is just annoying me. And everyone at school and at work is going to see that one little blackhead if I don't get it. 
I would just hope that we embrace this to the same degree spiritually. And that it's not condemnation. It's not condemnation at all. We're all in process, except Marvin, who's perfect. (laughs) We'll just embrace... We'll just embrace God's word as good as a mirror. Amen? Right? All right. One little homework before we go. In honor of Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you with this because it says to be a hearer and not a doer. And, and then James one twenty five says this. Check this out. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, check this out, he will be blessed in what they do. If you will hear and do, if you will be obedient, according to James 1.25, go ahead, Chris, leave that up. It says you will be blessed in your obedience. Obedience is a blessing. It's a blessing to obey. Again, some of us have to, have to reframe that because we've always looked at Christianity as a bunch of rules and rule breakers and da-da-da-da-da or else. No, according to that, you will be blessed in your doing. Right? And so... First Thessalonians says this. Here's a great uh, homework assignment, if you want to call it that. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is a great memory verse, especially for this week. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Here we go. Give thanks in, not for. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So here's your homework if you so choose. This week, give thanks in all circumstances. Don't just be a hearer, but do it. Remember, it's in, not for. However bad you're going through, whatever trial you're going through right now, the Bible says we're to give thanks in it. How do we do that? Well, we give thanks for God's promises in it. We give thanks for God's goodness in it. We give thanks for God's sovereignty in it, right? We give thanks for the church and people around us in it. This week, hear and do, give thanks in all circumstance, and be blessed. Be blessed when you do that. See what it does. See what it does. Because some of you, if you will do this, give thanks in all circumstance, you're going to be more sanctified, more set apart, more like Jesus. Simply by choosing to give thanks in all circumstance. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. It is living. It is your voice. It carries your authority. And it's all designed for our good. That we would be set apart, be transformed, And then, Father, you tell us in your word that we can have a relationship with you. In fact, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, Father, thank you that on the authority, your authority, you say, if we believe we trust Jesus as Savior, as Lord, we will be saved. 
That's why you sent Jesus. It's not by works. It's by grace through faith. And so, Father, as we get ready for communion, just take a few moments to regroup here. And For the church, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are doing really well in the word, that they would continue on that path and be encouragers to others. And for those of us, Father, who are struggling with authority, that you would surround us with some people that would come alongside and stand with us as long as it takes to take the next step. And then, Father, for those of us who just simply need to choose to be doers, help us to do, to obey in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you say in our doing we are going to be blessed, we're going to be sanctified, set apart. And then, Father, for those here who don't know you, I pray that today would have been helpful, that through the word of God they would know how much you love them. In fact, you sent Jesus because you love them so much. And on the word of God, on the authority, your authority, I pray, oh God, that they would come to faith in Jesus today. And if that's you, you want to put your faith in Jesus, you can say, God, thank you that your word says that I am saved by grace through faith. And so, God, in the best way I know how, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ today as my Savior and Lord. The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I receive your gift, the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus this morning. Thank you, Father, that it's on your authority, on your truth, that I am saved through Jesus. In the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in him today. And Father, in this week of Thanksgiving, as we prepare for communion, would we do it in a heart and a spirit of Thanksgiving? And you say in First Thessalonians that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. So this is the closest I'm going to get to dressing up as either like a clown or a pumpkin or a cow, as, as Kim does. So this is it. So thank you, Gary. And, and I could do more, actually. I, could, yeah, she could. I have so much I could wear, but I just, just did the bare minimum. So. so we wanted to tell you about the women's ministry is having our uh, Christmas brunch coming up December 2nd, 10 a.m. Uh, should be a great time to just celebrate the season together, and it's a great time to bring a friend, a family member, a neighbor, so think about who you could bring as well as coming. And um, it's 11 a.m., but that's okay. We'll be oh, here it's at 11. 10. Okay. It's 11. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so it is um, going to be $10. We're going to make two handmade gifts, and so this would be one of them. It's going to be a cookie mix in a jar um, and so we're going to put all the ingredients in and that's a gift that you can give to somebody and a candle as well so those are what we're going to be making and we are asking for six or seven women or groups of women it could be like two best friends or two enemies I don't know just kidding um, it could be a mother daughter it could be sisters um, so I'm, we're looking for six or seven women or groups of women who would like to decorate a table like this one right here. So the tables are going to be large round tables, and you don't need to provide the tablecloth or the plates and napkins and silverware, but to decorate the middle of it, really cute like that. 
So if you want to do that, please see me. You can, if you have my number, you can message me or you can text, I mean, um, email Kathy or you can put that next to your name on the sign up outside. Oh, yeah. There's a couple ways to sign up. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, so you can sign up on the welcome card outside and you can also sign up on our website. And now on our website, you're able to pay as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you do sign up outside and want to pay, you can give the money to Kathy or to me. So Great. Thanks. See you then. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, ladies. Uh, many of you are aware that uh, a few weeks ago we had a men's event called M6 here at the church on a Thursday night. And as part of that, uh, Bill and Tim Donahue shared their testimony of uh, an incident that happened. How long ago was that, Bill? Seven years ago. If, you didn't, if you're not aware, refresh your memory, they were going to a Bible study over at Soul Park Golf Course early in the morning. And uh, through a very variety of circumstances, they were both hit by a vehicle and sustained incredible uh, life-threatening, just catastrophic injuries. And so they shared their story, their testimony that Thursday night. And many of you had never heard it, and uh, the ladies in particular wanted to hear it. So uh, the video is on our YouTube channel. And so if you're interested in hearing that testimony, uh, just an incredible testimony of what God did in their lives and in their relationship and in, most importantly, in their relationship with him. So we wanted to make you aware of that, that if you want to watch that, you can on our YouTube channel. Uh, men, also, there is another men's retreat coming up. It's called Solely Business, where they deal with the business of the soul in March. And uh, they, registration happens pretty quick, and this particular one is next Sunday. It opens up at 2 p.m., uh, there's information there. If you have questions about the men's retreat, we showed some great pictures last week. Um, just incredible. Incredible what God does on the mountaintop uh, in 48 hours. So uh, you can talk to Bill this week if you have any questions about it, men. We'd love to get as many of you guys up there in March. Okay. Uh, as we wind up the uh, holiday season, there is so much to be thankful for. Last Sunday, we had a baptism. And Aiden was baptized out in the patio there. And Barry, it was his first time baptizing, so Barry got to baptize someone for the very first time. And uh, so it was just a great celebration. And uh, one of the things I want to share with you uh, that we shared with those that came out, Aiden, you know, sometimes we'll say, you never know. People walk by after Sunday services. They see us outside eating donuts and coffee. Oh, that was Aiden. And Aiden, yes. Yes, you know. You'll hear me say that, and you're like, does that really happen? Well, actually, with Aiden, he had, for a few weeks, gone back and forth, seeing you, chomping on donuts and drinking coffee and loving on one another, and that prompted him to come through the doors one day and hang out with us, and a few weeks later, he's getting baptized. So uh, kudos to you. Kudos. Uh, they're watching. And, you know, Jesus, what did Jesus say? How you love one another. They're going to know that you're his disciples, just by loving one another. So uh, thank you, Barry, for doing that. And again, just a testimony to Barry as well. You know, again, sometimes you think when it comes to baptisms, it's got to be someone official with some title. No, uh, you can baptize one another. And so Barry had that wonderful opportunity to baptize a brother in Christ last Sunday, and, and we celebrate uh, that Barry was willing to do that. So thank you, Barry, for that. Uh, we also want to celebrate the youth ministry this past uh, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, they had what they call their Thanksgiving fancy dinner. They cleared out this entire sanctuary. They had almost 20 kids here, uh, teenagers, 
just loving one another. Jordan and his crew doing a phenomenal job. And uh, yeah, they had some competitions. Make a turkey competition. They also, um, we want to celebrate the uh, food drive. Many of you graciously, just abundantly gave. They, they're kind of hidden. But that, that table is filled with food. Uh, and Jordan and I brought it over to help of Ojai. Uh, this past week. So thank you very much to those of you who contributed to the uh, food drive for the youth ministry. And we also had another one, the Thanksgiving boxes. You contributed uh, to that as well. And so they put those together and they delivered, how many, Mark, did you deliver? 30. So 30 bags of food went out into the community uh, thanks to your generosity. So, uh, so much to be thankful for. Blessed to have a church family with such a cheerful, giving heart. And and so um, we're just going to continue being us, loving God, loving one another, loving this community, okay? Why don't we stand together, and we'll continue in our time of worship.